Who's ready for the word this morning? Open up your Bible with me today. Open up your word with me today. Ephesians, we'll be going there in just a moment. If it's your first time with us, I want to say welcome to Legacy Church. Before you leave today, be sure you stop by uh, our uh, greeters in the front. They've got a special gift for you. Be sure you stop by there today. And if you have kids in service, we're so glad they're worshiping with us. You're more than welcome to get online at LegacyChurchRome.org. You can turn on your device with your headphones and you can go there and they click on Legacy Kids and they have a lesson that is waiting right on our website for them right now. So they're more than welcome to do that at this time. Adults, don't put in your headphones. I don't want to call you out this morning, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. But I, I thank y'all so much for being here today. And I thank you for your faithfulness with your tithes and with your offering and with your giving. And if you'd like to give today as we continue to do our best to make our um, campus as touch-free as possible, you can give online at LegacyChurchRome.org. Uh, or if you'd like to give in person, you can see an usher as you leave and they can give you an envelope as you leave today. And I also want to say hello to everyone who is watching online. Can you say hello to everyone who's watching online? Our Legacy Family Online. We've been having over a thousand viewers every week clicking in and watching with us. And we have hundreds of people that click on our podcast every week and people that just tuned in with us that we will never know that we're reaching. So I just want to say hello to you today. And if you're watching, we would love to have you right here with us. So every Monday, we're opening up registration for the next week. So I encourage you to get, on, get online at LegacyChurchRome.org. Click on RSVP every Monday at 10 o'clock and be sure you reserve your seats with us. Us. Amen. So let's open up the word today to Ephesians chapter 4. Last week we started talking about alignment for the assignment, and I'm going to go there again today. How many, how many of you received something last week from alignment for the assignment? I better preach really good this week. That was, that was pretty weak, but alignment for the assignment. If you didn't catch that, be sure you get online and, and kind of catch yourself up there with last week's word, but today we're going uh, to talk about alignment for the assignment again, and alignment is all about location. Location, where you are at, that is what alignment is all about. Location is the key to many things in life, location is. Your position, the, your, the, the position of your mind, the position of your heart, being in the right place, being the right time. Location is such an important entity of, uh, of, of, of alignment. And having the same, being in the same area code as that exchange zone that we talked about, being in line with him and just waiting for him and being in that place that whenever he is ready to hand us something, we're good to go. And he puts the baton in our hand and we can run that race with patience and we can run it and we can go. That is, that's the exchange zone. And it's all about location. Even the real estate market knows location. You hear those words, location, location, location. And if we have anybody who watches HGTV in here, and I look around and I know we've got to have somebody in the room. And if you watch whenever they're selling their homes, they'll say, I can get you this same house, love it or list it. I like love it or list it. And he says, I can get you this same house. If you'll just go 20 minutes down the road, I can get you this same house for $75,000 less. Why? Because it's all about location, location, location. 
them. Sports teams, whenever they're in championships, whenever they're, whenever they're fighting that battle, trying to get to the top, it's all about location. It's about where, who, who is on, who's on the field and who's on the court and where they are at. It's all about location. And even in the Bible, you see people moving location. They're, they're positioning themselves for success. We see, <clears throat> we see Daniel. He prayed and fasted for 21 days. Why? Because he was positioning himself for what God had for him. We see David and the giant killer. First, he is positioning himself with a sling in the natural, but in the spirit uh, in the spirit realm, he starts, he starts aligning himself and positioning himself with his worship because he knew that although he had been anointed king, he had not stepped into it yet. So he had to align himself and get in the right location for that. We see Elisha in the Old Testament. He positions himself and aligns himself with the prophet Elijah and he begins to serve him, begins to serve the mission that God had given him. And because of his heart and because he starts to align himself. This guy that was once a servant comes out with double the portion. Amen. He comes out with more than the man that he was serving. That's the power of alignment today. And we see Jesus in the gospels. What is he doing? He is aligning himself for the assignment. He's getting alignment for the assignment. Why? Because his assignment was the cross and everything that he was doing, everything that he was teaching was moving him toward the cross. In the gospels, we also see the story of the 10 virgins. It says that five were foolish and five were wise. And what made the wise wise is because of their location. The word says that when when the groom came back to meet the bride, the wise ones were not asleep. Those were the foolish, but the wise were out by the streets and they were holding their lanterns, lighting up the way for his return. Amen. That's what made them so wise. So it is all about location. They were in that position and because they were in the position and location, it made them wise. Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 6 today, it says that as a prisoner for the Lord, Lord, then it says, I urge you, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He says, be completely humble and be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. He said, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope uh, when you were called. It says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one father of all who is over all and through all and he is in all. The first line there in uh, verse one, it says, I urge you. I can't, I, I can't say it enough, but I urge you. There's something inside of me that's urging you to live a life that is worthy of the calling that God has on your life. He's saying, align yourself, get everything in order so that you can be worthy of what the assignment or the call that God has on your life. 
God's calling on your life has been around long before your parents even knew you existed. Amen. Even in your mother's womb, God was had a calling on your life. He did not form you without a purpose. I don't care. Some people may have said you, you were a mistake or your parents were not expecting you. But guess what? God formed you in that womb with a purpose. Okay. Every, every living creature has a purpose. And he formed you in your mother's womb with a purpose. And long before your mother or your father even knew you existed. And long before they even uh, called you an earthly name. Long before they put a name on the birth certificate. Guess what? God was already calling you names. Why? Because he was trying to align you for the assignment even in your mother's womb. He was not calling you Chase. He was not calling you Bob. He wasn't calling you. He wasn't calling you Wendy. No, he was calling you blessed, even in your mother's womb. He was calling you son. He was calling you daughter. Why? Because he was already aligning you for the assignment, even in your mother's womb. Walk worthy of it. Even before your mother knew you existed, he was calling you names. See, some people don't like to be called names, but when God calls you a name, it's got a purpose. Why? Because he says you are blessed today. You are highly favored today. You are above. You are not beneath. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed when you come and blessed when you go. That is God's purpose for you, and he's calling you that to get you into alignment for the assignment that he has. Amen. Even even in your mother's womb when he was forming your hands, he was calling your hands into alignment because as he was knitting your hands together like clay, he saw your hands being raised up in an act of worship. He was calling your hands into alignment. When God was in inside of you and he was forming your vocal cords, he was doing that and as he was doing that, I believe there was a smile on his face because he could already hear tunes coming from your vocal cords and words of adoration to him. Even in your mother's womb he was trying to get your vocal cords in alignment with your calling mm. he was calling you he was calling you and his calling today it is alive it is here and we must walk worthy of it how do we walk worthy of it in verse 4 it says guess what there is one body one spirit just as you were called to one hope that you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father who is over all and through all and in all. Do you see the theme of these instructions? It is one. He was saying, look, if you want this calling upon your life, if you want to walk worthy of it, there is one thing you need to do. You've got to get in alignment with the one. You can't serve two masters here. You can't worship two different people here. He said there is one God, there's one Father, there's one Spirit, there's one baptism. And for you to get in what I have for you, you've got to get in alignment with the one. Amen. In order for this to work, in order for this to be, in order for you to get that calling on your life, it's all about you getting in alignment with the one. He said, I've got an assignment for you, but until you get in alignment with the one, you really can't get it. And I want you to get this in your mind and in your spirit and in your notes today that the the assignment always begins with God, but the alignment always begins with you. The assignment begins with God. It began in your mother's womb. Now he is waiting for you to get in alignment with his word. Amen. Last week we started talking about alignment and I started really using the analogy about 
getting in the same lane uh, with God. Last week we talked about in, uh, aligning our lanes, but this week, in order for us to receive alignment for the assignment, this week I'm going to talk about aligning our tables, aligning our tables, like our dinner table, or the, the, the tables that we sit around with. Uh, so so let's, 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 let's break that down for you. What does aligning our tables even mean? How can that even be, how can that even be spiritual? And you've got to understand the significance behind tables when you see those in life and throughout scripture. Tables are all about defining time and relationship. That is purpose. That's some the purpose that a table has in our life. It defines time and it defines relationship. What does that mean? It means that the table is a definer of time because there are certain times every day that the table comes into our life. You, it is breakfast time. It is lunch time. It is dinner time. It, uh, the, the table is symbolic where it sets specific times for you in your life. More than likely, at the same time every day, your body starts telling you, you need to get to a table because you're hungry. I know what time it is because my stomach has already started talking to me because at 1030, I start wanting lunch because I don't eat breakfast. So at 1030, my body starts saying, you're hungry. You got to get to a table, get something in your, get something in you. And it's also important to understand that as the table is a definer of time in our life, the table is also a definer of relationships. And one of the most intimate things that you can do with someone in a friendship, a relationship, is for you to sit around a table and eat with that person. Invite them into your home. It is a biblical principle of breaking of bread. It happens all around a table. So the table is a definer of time and it's a definer of relationships. Get this in your notes in Matthew chapter 26, verses 20 through 25. The word says that when, <clears throat> when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. He was reclining. You see a relaxed Jesus here. And while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Surely you don't mean me, Lord. And in verse 23, it says, Jesus replied to them, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. In other words, you betraying me is not going to stop me. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not even been born. And then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And then Jesus said to him, You have have said so. You see in this passage of scripture here that Jesus is getting his table aligned. A question that I have for you today is who is sitting at your table and who are you allowing to sit at your table? Who are the people in your life that you have pulled up a chair for? Who are the people in your life that they have pulled their own chair up to your table? Because if we can get this next few minutes in our spirits, we can break some 
something in our minds. We can break something in our life because there are factors in your life that will reflect where you are headed. They reflect who you are aligned with. And one of the most deciding factors in your life is the factor of relationships. If you are a mother, especially of teenage children, or you have been, you probably understand that a lot of time the company that your child keeps will really determine the direction that they are going in. Amen. Can a mama testify to that? Whenever they start hanging around certain people, you see them going in a certain direction. And the same is for any age group. That the, the, the people that you hang around with, the people at your table, you need to get them in line with God so they do not distract you. And this is an area in lives that so many people, we have lost the ability to calculate just how powerful the impact is that we give to people to have influence in our lives and over our lives. Any person that you allow at your table, you are actually handing them access to your life. That should scare some of us today. Whenever you let people at your table, you are giving them influence in to your life. You, and, and you've got to realize that, that, that even your spiritual, your emotional, your professional, even your, uh, even your financial well-being can be impacted by people who is at your table. There are, how can, that, how can that affect my finances? Guess what? There are people that will come to your table just to take from you. Can somebody say amen? You don't need a table full of takers when nobody is giving back to you. Can somebody say amen? men today. And before you know it, all of your well-being can be tied to people you have aligned with around your table because the company that you keep will determine the direction of your feet. I'm going to say that again. The company that you keep is going to determine the direction of your feet. You can't be out here trying to start a new ministry when everyone at your table is talking down about your ministry. You cannot be out here trying to start new relationships Whenever by no one will allow you to have a relationship outside of them. I know none of you have those people in your life. But the, but the company that you keep will determine the direction of your feet. Even in Proverbs chapter 13. In verse 20, it states, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers such harm. In other words, you will become like whoever you are walking around with. Look at the people that you hang around with. Do you want to look like them? You may need to change some people in uh, around you because if you want to be wise, walk with the wise. But if you want to be in a foolish state, just hang around the fools. Even in Proverbs chapter 27 and 17, it says that as iron sharpens iron, so one person can sharpen another person. In other words, the people you are around, they are either going to sharpen you or they, going, or they will even make you more dull than you are right now. Amen. And in other words, it says every person that you come in contact with. So in other words, there's no such thing as a neutral relationship. Every relationship that you have, it's either sharpening you or it's 
dulling you. They will either push you forward or they will pull you backwards. They will either push you into alignment or pull you out of alignment. They will either push you into purpose or cause you so much pain. They will either push you into joy or bring great sorrow. So in other words, just as God will send people to your table, guess what? The devil will also send people to your very table. Mm. The devil sends people to your path. He will. That's why we've got to ask, who sent this person into my life? Mm. When somebody new comes into your life, you've got to ask, you owe it to yourself. Who sent this person into my life? Because the devil will send people into your life. The devil will send people into your cubicle. Amen. Anybody work with somebody you think the devil put right there? Don't raise your hand. But, but the devil will send people into your life. They will send people into, into your relations. The devil will send people into your church. That will be a distraction that will ultimately lead to your destruction. That is why you've got to know your assignment and where you are headed. And you are so in line that you're not going to let a little Judas distract you. Amen. People in this exchange zone, I hang around a lot of different people. You've heard me say this before. I'm, no, I'm not ashamed that I hang around people that are a lot smarter than me. If you're the smartest person that you hang around with, you need to get you some new friends. Okay? You really do. You need somebody in your life they can look at you and talk some sense into you at some point. Amen. And if you're the smartest one in the crew, probably the rest of them don't have much more sense. Whenever you're down, you need somebody that says, you need to pick yourself back up. God did not create you to stay down there. God has called you up to heavenly places. He's called you to sit beside him. You need somebody in your life that is equipped. You need somebody that is aligned. I hang around and I talk to a lot of different people. Somebody called me just yesterday in the spur of the moment, a mentor of mine, pastoring thousands, thousands of people in his church. He just said, I just want to know how you're doing today. Why? Because God put him, God put me in his mind and he called me and he lifted me up with words of encouragement. That is that you need those people in your mind. I'm in a coaching network. I'm in a six week class. I don't care if you know it or not. I don't care who gets the credit for it. I'm in a six weeks coaching class right now on how to build better teams inside of the church. Why? Because I don't know it all. Can somebody say amen? You don't know it all. And sometimes we just need people around our table who has been there and done it that can speak into our lives. Amen. That's what it's about because the devil will send people into your church, into your table, into your life. And as I'm around people who are so much smarter than I, than I am, as I'm around people who have just built great things for the kingdom, for his glory, as I'm around these, these world changers, people that are making a great impact on the kingdom, people that have their tables and the, uh, aligned with God, there is one thing that I am beginning to see in my years as I grow wiser. One thing that I am seeing uh, this common denominator with these people is that these people know how to manage relationships. They don't let people take advantage of them. They know how to define relationships. They know how not only to define them, but align them. 
And when you define relationships, you are not judging those people. You are just defining them to align them and know where you need to sit them at your table. Hmm. Because if there's a downer in the group, I'm not going to let the downer sit on my right or my left because they'll have my ear. But I'm going to put the downer on that end. You can still be at my table, but you're not going to have my ear because I'm not going to let you talk down about what God is trying to do in my life. I'm not going to let your, 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 your downcast spirit distract my alignment from my assignment. How many of you have ever been at that company gathering and there's that one person that just gets on your nerves and it's that Christmas party. You're like, wherever she's at, I'm down here. It's the same principle. And you've got to know who you can allow access to you. You've got to realize that I've got to get these things in alignment. I've got to find them so I, so I can know where, where, where these people need to be seated at my table. Look, just look at Jesus. He is the role model for, for all areas of our life, but he really shines when it comes to relationships. He really shines when it comes to relationships. I mean, just look at the way he did relationships. Yes, he is out there on the boat, and yes, he's going from one side of the lake to the other. When he gets to this side, he's healing people. He gets to that side, he's mingling with people, and, and then he gets over here, and he's healing blinded eyes, and he's, then he's opened up deaf ears, a few loaves of bread, and he's administering, and he breaks it out, and he feeds the thousands, but his relationships, people that were sitting at his table, look at what he is doing with them. Everyone is loved biblically. Everyone has value, but he treats them all differently. Hmm. Those of you that feel guilty about treating some of your friends differently, it's okay as long as you're treating them right. Every one of your friends does not have to be invited to every party. I just released, some, I just released a burden off somebody. I felt it. You don't have to invite Facebook to your house every time you want one friend there. It's okay. Jesus did it. If they get mad, just say Jesus did it. Because look, he loved everyone biblically, valued everyone equally, but treated everyone differently. He loved everyone biblically. It, didn't, it did not matter their age. It didn't matter their race. It didn't matter if they were rich or poor. He loved everyone biblically. Everyone had value equally. It did not matter their age or their race or what they looked like or what side of the tracks they came from. Whenever he saw someone, he looked at them and not only loved them, but he saw their value throughout their mess. Amen. He saw it. That's the way he did. But guess what? He treated them differently. What are you talking about? Jesus had 12 disciples. People at his table. And if you've ever read the Gospels, you know he was working with some crazy people that were disciples. Some would even cut ears off. Crazy people. People were doubting. People were, even at his own table, Jesus the King of Kings had doubters. If Jesus had doubters at his table, you're going to have some doubters at your table. 
All of this is going on, but he loved them all biblically. He, he had equal value, but he treated them different. He had those 12 and he loved them all. He valued them all. But guess what? All of a sudden you start seeing him treating them differently because out of the 12, he had three that was his inner circle. He had Peter, James, and John. And there were places that Jesus went and he took the three, but guess what? He did not take the 12. He loved them, but he treated them differently. He valued them all, but he treated them differently. When he went to the Mount of Transfiguration, he didn't take all the 12 up there with him, but he took the three. When he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he took, he took them even further. He took the three. When, guess, when you, you, and you've got to get this. Whenever Jesus was at his best, he took Peter, James, and John. Whenever he was at his worst, guess what? He took Peter, James, and John. That is why you need to get your table in alignment with him. So when you need people at your table that can handle you whenever you are at your best and they can handle you wherever you are at your worst. Because guess what? If you can't handle me whenever I'm at my worst, you don't need to be sitting around my table. Can somebody say amen? If you can't handle me whenever I'm at my best, whenever I achieve something and you get jealous of me, you don't need to be around my table today. I'm about to free somebody of relationships. You need to go in. Somebody needs to start crossing people off your guest list today. Because if you can't be happy for me, if you can't rejoice for me, you don't need to be at my table. And if you only like me whenever I'm high and when I'm up and when I got money, but you don't like me whenever I'm broke, busted, and disgusted, you don't need to be sitting at my table. And if you can get that in your spirit, that will free you up of a lot of stuff. He took those three with him. I like this quote as I was studying for this week. I read it and I want to share it with you. It says, everybody gets love. Everybody does not get access. Mm. Everybody gets my love. Everybody, I'm going to see your value. But everybody doesn't get access. Mm. If you can get that in your spirit, that would free you up from a lot of stuff. Everybody gets love. Everybody does not get access. I love you, but you ain't getting access to my mind today. I love you, but you're not getting access to my emotions today. I love you, but you're not getting access to my joy today. I love you, but you're not getting access to my peace today. I love you, but you're not getting access to my vulnerability today. I love you, but I'm sorry, you cannot have my ear today because I'm in alignment for the assignment. And I know if I let Eeyore in my assignment, everything is changing. And right now, I love you. I value Value you, and you can still be at the table, but right now is not the day for you to have access to me. Jesus was practicing these things. Some of you say, that don't sound Christ like. No, Christ was doing these things because he understood the importance of the alignment of the table. He understood that it's not about throwing people out of your life, it's about getting people in the right seat at the right table. And although everyone is equally valuable, everyone does not add equal value to you. Hmm. In this passage, I love this passage. I've never really thought it was funny until this week. Jesus is being seated at a table and you've probably seen dramatic presentations Passion of the Christ. Jesus is there. White Jesus, of course. You do know Jesus wasn't white, okay. Don't want to wreck your theology, but just telling you. This American Jesus, he's sitting there saying, someone tonight 
will betray me. Let's take the bread. Let's break it. You know, it's very dramatic. But this passage here, I was reading it, and I didn't read it that way at all. It said Jesus was laid back, reclining, looking at his table. And I just read it like Jesus was kind of gangster for a moment. <laughs> Eating a grape. Somebody about to betray me. I, I don't, somebody, somebody sitting at this table. Mm-hmm. Who is it? It's not me. It's not me, Jesus. It's not me. It's not me. He said, it's the person that got close enough to me to put their hand in my bow, Judas. <laughs> what? He's like, yeah, Judas. All of a sudden, you see him. It is moments before his assignment for the cross. And Jesus starts getting that table in order. He starts calling people out. He's like, Judas, guess what? You can stay here, but I just want to let you know, I know why you're sitting at this table, but you're not, but you're not distracting my assignment. Peter, I know you've been cutting off ears, but guess what? You can sit here at this table, but guess what? You are not distracting my assignment. Why? Because God has sent me to be the savior of the world. And if I sit here and I allow Judas betrayal to distract me, I will never get to the cross. I will never be the savior. But this is right here. This is the importance of what we have to be doing as Christians with everything going on around us today in this world you've got to understand that there will be people at your table that will betray you there will be events in social media that there will be there just to distract you but you've got to say to those people look I know why you are here Judas but guess what Judas you ain't you are not distracting me from my assignment I am aligned for my assignment and guess what I don't care who you are you will not stop me from getting there Somebody's about to betray me, Judas. You can keep being Judas, but you're not going to stop me from getting there. It's all about knowing who is at your table. It's all about knowing who's at your table and aligning your table with him. And if we can get this small little concept in our mind, you could free yourself of a lot of headache. How many of you have ever had a headache over friends? Ooh, it's rough. It's rough. But let me tell you something. You need to take this biblical principle and apply it to your table today. And when this gets in aligned with him, something new can happen to you. The table is another exchange zone. The table is where things happen in the, pre, in, uh, in the spirit. The table is where things happen for the kingdom. It's the exchange zone. It's a place where conversation is exchanged. It's a place where food and nutrients are exchanged. It's a place of intaking. And whenever you align your table up with God, you are aligning the things that you are taking in. And whenever you align your input, your output will reflect that. That's the importance of alignment. Earlier I was talking about the tables are symbolic of time. And they are. And you may have heard the saying, the tables are turning. The tables are turning. It means that there's something shifting in that season. Times are changing. Something is shifting 
Tables are turning. Sometimes you'll hear it during election season as, as a new leader is elected. The tables are turning. Something's moving. See, whenever you get your table aligned with God, the real meaning of that says that when times have shifted and now the disadvantaged have the advantage, the tables have turned. Those that were disadvantaged now are advantaged. And whenever you align that with God, guess what? God wants your table so aligned because the things that were a disadvantage to you, God wants to make those an advantage for you. Why? Because he's working all things for your good. He wants it to work out for you. Speaking of tables turning, Speaking of tables turning, they were there. Jesus was in the temple. He's in alignment for the assignment. He's getting ready to go to the cross. And all of a sudden, Jesus is there, walks into the temple. There were tables. There was stuff going on at the tables. They were out of alignment. There were things going on on those tables that had no business happening in a temple. It looked like a casino up in there. They were exchanging money. They were throwing money around. They were doing business transactions that they should have not been doing in the temple. The worst is that they were even livestock walking around. The tables had been turned. The tables were out of alignment. Something was wrong. And Jesus walks into that place knowing the power of the table, knowing the importance of the alignment of table, knowing how tables are supposed to function. Jesus walks into that place and you see see this, this righteous, this anger. You see this deep concern and all of a sudden it said Jesus is just turning over the tables. He's kicking them up. He's pushing them over and all of a sudden he's doing all of this. Why was he doing this? Because tables were out of alignment. He can't stand it when there are tables out of alignment. He can't stand it especially when people in the church, they can't keep their tables aligned. When people in the church can't even keep Keep them he can't stand it whenever people abuse the power of the alignment of the table. He can't stand it when people get so out of alignment that their tables all of a sudden leads them to distraction. But he said, I've got to get my church back in order. I've got to get the temple back in order. I may have to cause a ruckus, but somebody's got to get their uh, table into alignment so this assignment can be fulfilled. Would you stand up with me today? And if the tables in the church are out of alignment, how can we be upset if the tables of this world are out of alignment? How? God is trying to fix some things in your life and it could be as simple as getting your table in order. It could be that simple today. Would you just raise up your hands with me today? Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today. We thank you today. 
so worthy of it all. Yes, you are. God, we thank you today because we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, we love you, we love you. We just want to be in alignment with you today. We just want to get in the exchange zone today. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Come on, sing this out with us today. God, I pray, God, that you just start putting people at our table. 
who are like-minded, God. God, put people at our table who are smarter than us, God. Put people at this table in this church who have more experience than we do, God. God, align things with you, God. God, even those people who are at our table like a Judas, God, we're not going to allow them to detour us from the assignment that we are coming into alignment with today, God. God, right now, Lord, we're calling out to those people. You may have been sent with a purpose. You may have been sent with an alternative motive. But guess what? You shall not distract me. You're not detouring me. No, 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 no. But I'm staying in alignment for this assignment that God has for me. Why? Because even in my mother's womb, God was calling me for this moment. Even in my mother's womb, God was knitting me together for a calling. So now, God, I'm getting into alignment with the one, the one father, the one son, the one spirit, the one baptism. We're coming into alignment with you today, God. And that is what we are crying out for today. God, so right now, this area of our life that has such an impact on us, God, the company that we keep determines the direction of our feet, God. God. So right now, God, I pray, God, that you put people around us who can walk with us, oh God. God, put people around us, oh God, that is there for our best and it will be there for our worst, oh God. Put people around us that whenever they see us and we are down, they will cry out to God on our behalf and we will be lifted up like wings of eagles, oh God. God, lift us up to heavenly places, God. We need people in our life, oh God. Every person who is sit, sitting at tables on, in chairs of these people today, remove them, oh God. Silence the naysayer, God. Silence the people that say your dreams don't matter. Silence the people in our life that we've shared intimate moments with, God, but they, don't, they will not reciprocate that. God, silence those tongues, God. We thank you today. Put our hands together and thank God for His goodness and for His presence.